here. It's done. Okay. It's like, I hear something. <laughs> you hear an echo. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I know that some people have access and they might just pop in and out, but we can just kind of chat like it's just us. And if people have Make questions, they can they can have, a question, have questions for us. Um, but yeah, welcome. This is Art and Wine with Christy Baloney from Sexy Grammar. Um, and I just want to give you some time to introduce yourself. Um, and what we can kind of introduce yourself to my audience and, and tell us a little bit about what you do. Sure. Yeah. My name is Christy Lindelooney. I am the sexy grammarian. I have had this business, Sexy Grammar, since 2003. So we're Ooh. getting close to some big anniversaries. I really wanted to celebrate mm -hmm. sexy and 17 last year, but it was kind of an unsexy year. No, that was not a sexy year, but that would have been a really fun party. That was um, I idea. love that theme. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. But uh, we'll we'll celebrate 20 with with uh, with grandeur, I'm sure. Uh, sexy grammar is a writing coaching business. Mm -hmm. I help writers with whatever it is that they are struggling with. I help writers to move forward in their projects. I love the writing process. The writing process mm -hmm. is really my thing. And I love to meet with somebody who is uh, working on something creative and help them move that project forward. So yeah. I've been doing it, like I said, for almost 20 years and I love it. And the really fun thing about our connection mm -hmm. is that I have had one and only one intern in my almost 20 <laughs> years of business and it was you Rainy. it was me i was the intern <laughs> and and the way that i the way that i ended up with you as an intern was i ran into your mom with on the street yes in one of those wonderful urban win san francisco moments in a like a very soma moment i feel like in san francisco just like totally. down on the street and like totally running in oh We've got a guest. Hey, Sarah. Um, this is Sarah Murphy. She is um, a UX designer and she's been working with me um, on my site and with my courses to help make everyone get a VIP experience. Um, so I'm really happy that she was able to join us. Hey, Sarah. Yeah, thank you. Nice to meet you. Happy to be here. This is Christy Limbaluni. We were just uh, introducing each other and stuff. So like, feel free to jump in if you have any questions. Yeah. We um, were, so yeah. yes, I was, I was just explaining how you became my intern, but also is this the story of how we met? I think so. Cause I had never I met you so before this happened. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, so my mom and Christy were in San Francisco. They've run into each other on the street. Um, and I'll let Christy take it from there. <laughs> I don't know how we got to talking about me needing an intern, but I think it may have been simply that she was anticipating your arrival in San Francisco yeah. and was asking me like, you know, do I have ideas for things for her daughter to do when she came to San Francisco or what? And I think I probably just jumped on that and said, does she want to be my intern? <laughs> <laughs> We've got Alexis Ferrari here too. Uh, Alexis. Hi. How are you ladies? Welcome, welcome. We're just uh, talking about how Christy and I came into each other's lives. Absolutely. Um, so I think you've got a, a front row seat to that story, but we'll retell it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hi Sarah, nice to meet you. 
This is my godmother, Alexis. This is Sarah Murphy. Alexis and I went to high school together. Yes. Back in the day. Small world. Yeah. Yeah. So my parents are from San Diego, and so is Christy. And Alexis also went to school in San Diego. Um, And my dad and Christy actually, I think they had a smooch in seventh grade, from what I remember hearing. I don't know. No. No. Okay. Well, there was no, but there was a seventh grade. If he wants to argue about that, (laughs) then I'm there for that argument. (laughs) Okay. Maybe I'm misremembering. Um, But there was, I think you two were in seventh grade together, though, right? We were in seventh Um, grade. Nice. Steve was really like one of my first friends. I, oh, cool. um, when I started um, junior high at, at Spring Valley um, uh, Junior High, I was coming from a, a private school, a, a small uh, church school. I didn't know anybody. And I definitely remember him being in my math class and being way <laughs> better at math than me. And uh, him just being really one of the first sort of kids at public school that I ever met. Nice. That's how far we go back. Okay. Yeah, it's super cool. I mean, I can't think of my dad being like the friendly seventh grader, but I imagine, imagine he was in some way. I just have a hard time picturing him small. (laughs) I mean, he wasn't, he was tall then too. He was still tall. Okay. Yeah, yeah. To me, I've always been short. But, but uh, all of that comes back to Folsom Street running into Evelyn and her basically um, handing you over to me as my first intern. And I really needed an intern. I didn't know how badly I needed an intern <laughs> until Ramy came into my life. And Ramy, you were already you know, very experienced at uh, helping creative people launch businesses at the tender age of 15 or run businesses. Yeah, And um, you definitely stepped right in with a lot of expertise and built my Yelp presence, built uh, a social media presence for me that is that uh, the the basic guidelines and and plan of which I still use uh, and uh, and organized a bunch of other wonderful and important things for my business and really just became a dear friend and helped me celebrate 10 years in business. So it's pretty cool that we are um, several years later um, uh, talking about your business. I know. And when you were talking about the role that you play with writers, I realized that it's literally, it's the blueprint that I use for the role that I play with creatives. And it really is just at any point of the project from seed to sprout to let's get it, you know, transplanted into the next set of hands, I really love being on that journey. And I think that you showed me that that was possible because not a lot of people work directly with creatives in the way that you and I do. Um, And so, and then also being, you know, a woman in business, a sole proprietor in business, I had never met someone doing that. And when you kind of showed me like, well, this is the office, but it's also the home and you can kind of run your show however you run your show because you're running it and that's just how it works. Um, And so from 15, to go into university with that mindset, I think completely shaped what I do. And I was, it was never a question of who will be my boss, but um, what will I do? And so I think that that, I wouldn't have been able to like have that vision without having worked with you. Um, so, so happy to have you on tonight. Um, do you wanna introduce the wine that uh, we're gonna be drinking tonight from Wine Down? Yes. 
So I posted about this wine and called it a Blanc de Blanc, but it's not. It is a Blanc de, de Franc. Blanc. Oh, dear. <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, and it's, I love uh, that you have it chilling in a bucket right beside you, too. I know. My brilliant <laughs> wife set that up. As you can see, it's a little bit bubbly. It has a little bubbly yes. to it. Nice. And so um, this wine uh, uh, comes from a wonderful, um, I should put it back in its proper. <laughs> um, a wonderful wine bar in San Francisco called Wine Down. And I don't know much about this wine. I'm looking forward to trying it. Uh, and and drinking it with all of you tonight. But uh, I wanted to just talk about Wine Down, the bar. Mm -hmm. I do know that this is um, one of the owner's favorite wines and that she picked it out specifically for, for us tonight, for, for me to, um, to taste tonight. And uh, uh, that's Sarah. Sarah and Jamie are, are mm -hmm. the owners of, of Wine Down. And so it's a women-owned business. Uh, Helen and I really, my wife Helen and I really think of it as our neighborhood feminist wine bar it's awesome that it's that it's woman owned we happened to be like snooping around our neighborhood uh looking for something to do on the day that they were opening so we were like what's going on in there so we were there on their first day open and we also happened to be in there on the last night before lockdown oh uh, wow so now this this friendship with them yeah. and this closeness and this connection with their sort of existence really uh, and they have been surviving, like so many small businesses, uh, scrapping by throughout the last year plus, and um, by doing pop-up events where you can go and pick up wine, which is how I got this mm -hmm. wine last month. Um, and they are getting ready to celebrate their five-year anniversary with a reopening in July. So, oh, good for them. That's wonderful. Wine down. Yes. Cheers, Cheers to, to wine down. Cheers. I have been for like a that. long time. <laughs> Sorry, whatever, whatever you're drinking, enjoy <laughs> and buy. Enjoy. Vibe, you know. <laughs> That's right. Are you, Sarah? Are you open now, or what's the status? Oh, what do you? Oh, uh, Sarah. Uh, diff oh, different not me, Sarah. Ah, I thought oh, she was one of the owners. Sorry to be confusing. <laughs> I sorry wish. That sounds awesome. You're not right? open now. Uh, <laughs> Sarah's actually um, on the East Coast. Um, you're on Long Island, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. So she's joining us from a little bit later in the time zone. Um, yep. But you're more than welcome to come to San Francisco and we can all go to wind down. when they I would love to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but to answer your question, Alexis, what they they are not open now. Okay. They will be open in July. Okay. Um, and what they've been doing throughout the pandemic is having these um, monthly wine pickup pop up events. So uh, you order wine ahead, and they have a certain day, and uh, and then we just walk down the street and pick up a, a few bottles of wine. So we've been doing that every month, and. Um, taking those wines to parks or or back in when the weather doesn't allow, um, and uh, you know, trying to keep one small business in our community alive throughout throughout this weird time. We will definitely. Uh, I just texted that to John, and so we'll do definitely frequent that. That sounds great. Awesome. Yeah, they're going <laughs> to do one. They're going to do one last pop up before their opening party in July. So you could you could do the June pop up too if you want. Awesome. Which is fun. It's fun to stop in there and pick up wine and. 
cheer for them to stay alive. More people coming. More people. I think there's some people listening too. Hi, Sydney. She's connecting. She hears us. Um, <laughs> Sydney's a good friend. Welcome to Art and Wine. We are just getting started. Um, we're talking about a shop in San Francisco called Wine Down. Um, but let's see, Christy, I know you were traveling recently and you got to go see some art in the desert, right? You went to Joshua yes. Tree? Nice. Thank you so um, much for recommending <laughs> the Noah Purifoy sculpture garden. I think, outdoor I think museum. It's an it's an it's a museum technically, but it's museum. but it's it a garden. Museum. Yeah. yeah sculpture yeah. garden. Has anyone else been there besides Ramy and me? No. Oh, I I strongly recommend it. It's a free museum if you're in Joshua Tree. Um, and it's absolutely, it's a treat if you're in Joshua Tree. It doesn't take too much time either. Um, but in it's, it's all self-guided. You can find more information about the programming that they have online, but it's actually really fun to just go and explore it. It's kind of like a playground almost. Um, but I'm curious what you thought of it and what you liked or didn't like about it. Well, first to say that you had recommended it, but then it was one of those wonderful um, uh, sort of um, coincidences. It was already on Helen's list. She wanted to, oh, good. to go. Um, you probably know this about, about Noah, uh, that he was a social worker. Mm -hmm. um, and so he was on her radar as an artist slash social worker. Uh, my wife, Helen, is a social worker as well. So and it was an artist. And an artist. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, so she was definitely wanting to go as well. And I bring that up because when we first got there and I started walking around, I felt uncomfortable there. Mm. I, See, I, I thought I really did want to talk about it because I was curious. Yeah, I, like, I mean, yeah. it's not exactly a warm and fuzzy place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the art's, the art's a little off-putting. There are parts of it that are pretty off-putting. And it's, and in context, it's in, it's in, you know, the desert has a, a bleak feeling as well already. And, and I love the desert and I love that part of the world and, and that part of the country. Um, but the, the, the sculpture has um, a, well, my, my gut reaction in that, in that sculpture garden was, um, to be concerned about um, rats and rattlesnakes and uh, and and creatures attacking my wife. Okay. <laughs> so just think a little bit of so that was my feeling in that art. So yes. like when we talk about like what is art supposed to do? If it's supposed to make you feel something, I definitely felt protected <laughs> and. Um, and and slightly fearful. So I grew up. My my grandfather was a gold prospector and had a gold claim not far from Joshua Tree, uh, in in the um, in the Sonora Desert, uh, a, a few hours away. And so I, as a child, grew up learning to sort of move around in that kind of environment and flat wood on the like flat things on the ground or junk piled on the ground that's for snakes oh like, okay 
that's like that's just how it works that's the lay of the land that's like so so like wood lying on the ground that's you don't like you don't go jumping on that unless you want (laughs) to play with rattlesnakes and so my childhood as the oldest of a brood of of boys uh and sort of protecting them from getting in trouble out in the desert was very much like triggered because there was danger everywhere. There was jumping cactus and there were like so many opportunities for rats and snakes that I was just, and I'm not really fearful of rats or snakes actually, but I have this sort of protection that I really don't want like my wife to have run-ins with them. (laughs) You're like, how am I gonna get Helen help? If she gets bit by a rattlesnake out That's here right. in the desert, That's right. like the in the middle path, of the desert, like, like it's literally down like a dirt path, and it's like there's not really a lot of signs. Like there's little short signs next to like where your wheel would be. It's kind of like oh no, a prayerfoy, like go over here. But like there's no one there being like yeah, welcome to the museum. Like no. enjoy your time. Like you just pull up and you're in the desert in this museum, and so that I understand that like instinct. And now I'm not gonna bring my dogs next time because my dogs were just running around free and yeah. had not occurred to me, but now I'm like, oh dear. <laughs> so I, there, there's, one, there's one installation that was called shelter and you actually go inside. And I just, I walked in there and I was like, I have to get out of here right away. I was, I was, uh, I was afraid of, the, of this, the situation inside. So all of that is, to, is not to not to push the art aside. I had all of those feelings, but um, this space is actually amazing. Once I like got over it and 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 demanded from Helen, like, what are we doing in this rat trap? Um, <laughs> um, and and she started talking to me about his life, um, mm-hmm. and so just you know, a little bit about him is, uh, you know, he was born in 1917. So we're talking like, that's my grandmother's generation, a little older than my grandmother's generation, sort of between mm-hmm. my great grandmother and grandmother's generation. And for you, it's probably great grandmother's generation or so or closer. Great, great. Gra- I think my great grandmother was born in 23. Um, so, so a hundred, almost a hundred yeah, years ago. So, uh, you know, a little older than your great grandmother. Um, and a black man in America and an artist um, eventually found his way onto the um, LA um, Arts Commission um, mm. and a social worker and activist. He had a certain um, point of view and yeah. he had seen, um, he had seen a lot of poverty and he had seen um, a lot of, uh, you know, racism, like, like we are not even conscious of today. Um, and he, and- I don't know if, if anyone here, um, is familiar with like the Watts Towers in Los Angeles, yeah. which is probably his more like charged and note noteworthy, um, piece that he's done. And it's a permanent, permanent installation in, um, the Watts neighborhood of Los Angeles. And there are these kind of mosaic, very like almost rough um, sculptures that kind of look like power towers and they're amongst some industrial space. But when you're actually um, engaging with the work and you're in the kind of uh, 
installation space. There's a lot of um, history about the riots and kind of the um, action and activity that was going on in South LA um, in the 80s and in the 90s and, and just the great uh, disparity of what was going on. And if Christy, you can keep talking about your experience, I'll pull up some of um, Noah Purifoy's work so that we can see it on the screen share and I'll let you keep, keep speaking. Yeah, no problem. It's so hard to describe um, yeah, but, I was like, I was like, it's easier if I, if I show yeah, suggestion, Alexis, thank photos. you. Um, I mean, the only other thing I would say is uh, that that context changed my point of view immediately. Mm -hmm. And I stopped worrying about rats and snakes and, <laughs> and really started taking in what I was looking at and thinking about his work at thinking about him as a historian um and can then everyone see my screen yeah yes. i can see okay it. good yeah um so this is the type of stuff that you'll see in the desert um it's these kind of playful structures a lot of upcycled material and i definitely can see the potential for snakes now that that's on my <laughs> mind, um, but let me pull That was up. definitely the first thing I thought about yeah. on their picture of him. This and, is yeah. the, the entrance he's got. Um, you can see it dystopian. kind of says welcome. It's a little dystopian, yeah, I would say so. Um, but there's also like, I it was pretty deteriorated when I was there, but there's almost um, a call to like a Roman or Greco-Roman style sculpture as well. There's some, cast I think it's resin or plaster that's been cast um, but it's kind of downsized to maybe like a 30% scale of what you would expect for a structure like that um, but let me pull up Watts Tower so we can look at those. Are all those images Ramey in the in that desert installation? They are I, I recognize yes, all, all of these are mm -hmm. wow yeah. and I'm sorry how long has it been there? Do we know? <laughs> I can it's look up the, the foundation. Though. It's been there a while. Let me pull that up as well. Oh, Hel I, Helen says 2004. Oh. Yeah, I was oh, going to say 2004, 2004. Okay. And so, yeah, was, it's his, his swan it's song, the museum. Yeah. Yeah, so this is the road that you pull up on, you park mm -hmm. over here, and then all of the installations are kind of, I would say, maybe a little less than an acre of land. Um, that, and, and probably 20, 20 installations, if I had yeah. to, to give it a rough estimate. Um, and then Joshua Tree proper, you would go about a mile uh, west on this view and then make a right. And then you would be kind of back where a, a proper road is and people and things like that. But you kind of have to go a little off the beaten, beaten trail. I'm intrigued. I've never been to Joshua Tree either. Oh, if you come if you come down to LA or if you want to do a Palm Springs, I'll go with you. It would be super fun. Okay, great. Yeah. I actually have a like more technical question. Of course. I'm very new to the art world. Um, so so how does one like it's really fascinating to me when people do art like physical structures because mm -hmm. of just like there's obviously different costs to different kinds of art, but like physically making structures is um like so interesting to me because of like how much physical work there is to like the material and like building it um 
like I'm like did he do it all by himself is it a team like it's it's really interesting when you really think about it mm -hmm. um but how does one get a space for that like in Joshua Tree like what would the process have been for him to get that space to like have that exhibition there or was it like built and then placed there after do you know the story Ramey I don't, those are really good questions, Sarah, and I appreciate you asking them because I can find that stuff out for you. Um, my my initial- Over here yeah. kind of knows the story. Oh, okay. Yeah, Helen, you're welcome so, to chime in. My initial reaction was that there's a lot of subsidies for the arts and land like Joshua Tree is mm -hmm. semi-public. And so sometimes you can petition for um, money or for land delegations for the arts. And there's usually a percentage earmarked in certain communities for how much is going to go to out to the arts and things like that but I'd love to hear the specifics from Helen too. I, I don't know how he got the space but he did all of that building by himself <laughs> and it was a, uh, a sort of end of life project mm -hmm. um, yeah. and are you um, I don't know if she's there's bringing great, more information. I mean, we watched a, yeah there's a great uh, there's actually a great documentary about him on YouTube Okay. Oh, cool. um, I will link I'm that. I'm bring all the details, but if you like, look him up on YouTube. Um, you can you can learn a little bit more about um, about his life. And this was this was kind of his like uh, his his own. He was it was this sort of like I'm going to build my own museum kind of concept. Awesome. Thank you. And a lot of museums are hesitant to take on um, installation work. Just another like logistical point because um, they're large that you can't really like archive a lot of installation pieces. Um, they usually get destroyed. Um, and then they're also viewed in the context of everything else that's being shown in the museum. And so by doing something like this, he ensured like posterity of the work, even if it deteriorates from the desert. And he's basically in charge of the context this way because it's like the desert is contextual, but in a certain way for art, it's context less and you get to kind of assign. Right. The meaning to it um, when you make that trek out out to the space, um, and it really, I really trek out there. Yeah, <laughs> and there's and you know GPS only kind of works, and you and there's definitely this sort of is this really a road kind of feeling. Yeah, um, and then you piece, start to kind of see oh this back this previous one. Yeah, can you go back? This I one? love this piece. It yeah. looks like a roller coaster. Mm -hmm. Those are cafeteria trays. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I really like the one with, um, I have a photo of me standing in front of it, but there's three stalled restrooms and there's, uh, you can see feet, uh, legs yeah. of each person and they're wearing <laughs> different pairs of pants or dress or something. Um, but everything is just a little smaller than you'd think. Um, I would say everything's like two thirds scale, but this piece was really eerie for me. I didn't yeah. love this one, it was pretty off putting. Um, but you know, that's, it's a lot of found stuff. And I think you might think, oh, this is a neat thing that someone's done with junk. But when you start to look at the way that he puts resources, you know, like a, a water fountain and a toilet in the context of someone who was an activist in LA and a social worker, um, you know, access to things like this are, are not common in Los Angeles if you're unhoused um, and, or if you're struggling, you know, in any way economically, clean water and, and access to waste management are um, important things. So it's pretty ac acutely aware 
of these struggles. And um, I think that, yeah, I think that, that there is something about using the found materials that kind of meshes with his message as well. Um, so I'm so glad that you need this to read to you. In oh. 1989, <laughs> Boy moved his practice from Los Angeles to Joshua Tree. From 89 until his death in 2004, he filled 10 acres of his high desert studio and environment with assemblage sculptures and installations that synthesized the concerns of his life. And that's what this is. Did she print that out for you just now? No, this is uh, okay. <laughs> he managed to find the brochure that we picked up there. Yay, and Helen. And point out a certain line in it for Amazing. me. Amazing. Oh, yeah. thank you, Helen. Well um, assisted, I am. <laughs> well, well wived. Just popping in to say hi. You're welcome. Hey, oh, it's good thank to you. see you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and um, similar to what Sarah was saying, I I often wonder that too. I'm I'm not well versed in the arts, um, and I haven't had a lot of interest in my life unless I like stumble on something that I'm like, well, that's cool. Yeah. Um, and so I always appreciate when Ramy shares little nuggets with me. Um, but I also wonder, like, how long did this take him? And, like, why did he do this? And, like, what was his, like, what was the impetus for this? And I know that said it was based on things he was worried about or, you know, concerned about. But it's just so interesting to me that, like, how did this come to somebody's mind? Like, I'm going to do this. There's also a, this high and, you know, just interesting. There's, like, a negotiation with waste as well or with, like, what would go to landfill. Um, and so I think that sometimes things that we might throw away are actually like very resource like rich and we don't necessarily recognize that and that's a cultural thing um i alexis and i both teach english to um, adult language learners and i had a student tell me recently that where he's from if something's in the trash it's because it's it's completely broken um it can't be fixed at all it's been you know repurposed more than once and if you see that it's in the garbage and it's something that you think you might fix don't even try because it's been, it's been fixed many times. But in the United States, if something's in the trash, it can probably be fixed. And so that kind of idea about use is also played with here because um, things are getting a second life to make whatever statements as well. So sometimes it can be as simple as just what is, like if we think about those logistics, the fact that you're thinking about that is part of what the art is asking you to do. Um, and so labor and time and, you know, objects are something that he had to negotiate with throughout his life. And he gets to demonstrate that through, through this work too. Um, I think it's really cool, not cool, but I've been thinking a lot about how like limitation is actually somewhat helpful. <laughs> like, I think we always look at limitation as like, oh no, I have limited resources or um, like in the context of creating it's really like giving you a frame that you have to work in so I was even mm -hmm. just thinking about this um uh wine place that seems really amazing like the fact they decided to do a pop-up is like a really creative solution to the limitations that were placed on them and yeah. like they probably or maybe wouldn't have done that otherwise so right. um like I've actually been doing an art therapy class um through Cheryl, who's um, part of the oh, group. Cool. She, yeah, she's kind of like been testing it out, but it's been really cool because I haven't really made art my whole life. So I've just been like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> and um, just being given like a theme or like somewhere to start, because like a blank canvas is so like intimidating. You're like, what the hell? And 
so like Alexis, your question is like, how did someone come up with this? And it's like, well, they didn't, they usually didn't start from absolutely nothing. They like, are like, okay, well, I guess I'll start here and then maybe I'll do this. And then, you know, for so long, I just thought creative people were just like, okay, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this and it's going <laughs> to look like this. And they like already know. And it's like, no, people are usually figuring it out as they make it like it's pretty unlikely that someone knows exactly what the end product is going to look like so yeah it's it's beautiful just because you think about him actually making all of these pieces and like going through that process using what he had available and like probably reliving a lot of it too which is like interesting Chrissy that you said when you went there it's kind of like it's not like a jolly feeling it's like you're really feeling the art as it is so yeah, it's really cool. Sarah, there's a really good film called The Five Obstructions. Mm. Um, it's it's about it's it's about five different rules that these two filmmakers give to each other to shoot different scenes. And you get to see how how wonderfully things come out under these different rules. And it's a really great film about process. So if you want to check that out, I recommend it. Um, but I will I will write that in the chat and I'll save the chat uh, transcript so that we can all benefit from that. Um, yeah, I I have a certain soft spot for installation work. Um, I think um, my father is a, an architect and a space designer, and so when space gets used as a part of the medium, I'm always super intrigued because sometimes the art is just right here, but other times it is actually like experiential. And so I also think about gallery design as like part of the art itself. And so when something is outside completely of that space, I'm super intrigued by that and how space gets made and how these found objects actually create the structure. Um, they're not within a structure too. So, um, but before I get to the five obstructions, I think that's what it's called. Did that come up as a, as a real movie? Yes. Okay. Yep, yep. Good. Um, Awesome. Christy, I want love to see, you mentioned to me earlier that you have some art up in your house. Ooh, Would yeah. you like to show us some of the, the art that you keep in your space and, and talk to us about it? To, I would love to. All right, let's see cool. if I can make We're going to make a little, a gonna, little switch over, right? I'm going to stop my video. Hi, um, am I back? I'm you're back. You're back. Yes. Awesome. Oh wait, I'm still muted. We have time. I'd love to hear how each of you are connected. Aren't? Yeah, we can totally talk about that too. Oh no, I'm not muted. You are muted. You're not muted. Oh, <laughs> I'm not muted. You're muted. <laughs> no, you're muted. Can you guys hear me? Okay. Yeah, yes. Sorry, that's confusing. <laughs> All right. Let's let's begin with the piece right behind me, right I here. Oh. Yeah, so let me picture that. Um, so on this one, on this one there are um, a few pieces that are created by some clients of of Helen's, which is pretty special. But the one I really want to focus on. Is... Oh, I love that! It's a, a woman reclining with some wine. It's like a. It's a. Um, So this is paper sculpture. It's behind glass. It's hard to see a little bit. 
our friend um, Sergio Sandoval. Sorry, can you just turn off the sound over there? Oh, just just hit the. Yeah, there you go. Awesome. Um, Serge, you said better, Sergio. Right? Yes, that's better. Sergio Sandoval. You Thanks. said for the the paper. Is is it layered paper sculpture? It is layered paper. short list of the artists that you mentioned so I can include them in the replay notes. Yeah, I will have to I, send them to you after the fact. What is, um, I'm losing, oh, um, Judy Chicago with her um, vulva plates. I'm, I'm recalling kinda. right now with this, with this plate. Um, but I love the, I love the kind of watercolor style um, and yeah. looser interpretation of the facial features as well. Yeah, I love this oh, one nice. too. This is new. This is probably our newest piece. Um, was a birthday gift to Helen. Um, uh, her sibling knows the artist, so that's oh, how that came cool. into our lives. Um, and then one last thing is this amazing wall of four pieces. Um, let's see, let me get my head out of there. So those are photographs. I could tell, yeah. And I they're big, so. they're, they're two by four, I think. Two, mm -hmm. two no, uh, two feet by three feet, I think. Um, and what's cool about them is that all that saturated color is not done in the dark room. She painted the models and the, and the backdrop. Uh, oh. so it looks like it was all done in the dark room, but it wasn't. Um, and that wow. artist, Janaea Barnes, was an amazing photographer. Um, yeah. So those Christy, are the to show Hey, Christy, me. can you get closer to those prints? I want to see his clothes. Yeah. Yes. Those are cool. 
maybe one of the I'm time. reminded. So, yeah, the other thing is what's done in the dark room is the doubling, mm-hmm. which is hard to see because of the, um, or the, yeah. the double exposure. That's done in the dark room. But, but you're seeing also the reflection of our stairs. Yeah. That's great. Um, yeah. There's an artist, um, her her name is escaping me, but she makes these incredible rooms that look like they've been Photoshopped, but they haven't been. Um, and they'll have like fish hanging and they'll be completely like monochromatic or dual chromatic colors. And it's like this really rich uh, color experience, very similar to what you've just shown. And you think that it's been manipulated in some way, but it's actually just so, um, perfectly executed, I guess. I think she's coming back on her lap. There she is. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that um, I love it when people show that what you can do in Photoshop is actually stuff that you can do in real life too, because I think that we assume that everything has to be post-production, um, but there's actually a lot of fun in playing in, in actual production too. And I think that there's a little bit of loss right now with everything we can do digitally. Um, that's. Do you still have, you don't have to show me, but you had a really cool painting, some cool nudes um, when we, when you would walk up the stairs. Do you still have those? Yes, they are there. I just stopped short of showing those. No worries. No worries. I just wanted to make sure you still had them in your collection because I thought they're so cool. Yeah, there's more upstairs as well. There's a lot, but I I didn't want to take up too much time on like, oh, the gallery that is my home. But (laughs) But, um, truly um you could i think we need like an architectural digest of the sexy grammarian's home because it's so stellar oh yeah i think it it brings us back to this issue of of creative businesses because so much of the art in my home is art that came through some kind of um creative connection in san francisco I, i mentioned some of helen's clients and and many of the pieces that I uh, showed you were friends, but um, those four large format photographs from Jenea, um, those, you know, I, I edited her her um, her book, and mm-hmm. and uh, and was paid in in beautiful art. Um, so you know uh, the way in which artists do business with each other, the the bartering that we do, the um, the sharing of our art, the 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 exchange of uh, feedback and work, um, you know, that has been a cornerstone of my business and um, and it's why it gives me such joy to show off the art in, in, in our home is that a lot of that art is, is a part of that, so. And you've shown me how important it is to make sure that you can meet your clients where they're at. Um, and I actually, I'm, offering three work study positions in my mastermind now um, because I was really thinking about ways that I could make it more equitable and accessible and I thought well I could use some help and I'm sure that the people that I want to work with are incredibly skilled that's why I want to work with them Um, so there's no no need to make it like do any gatekeeping around the work that we do and um, I think that we have a lot of respect for our clients and that means that we're able to you know work with them on trade basis or be negotiable in, in terms of how we can make it work because um, this isn't always people's first for, like full-time job um, or they, you know, they're not always being paid to be creative. Um, so, yeah. And, and I think Alexis had a, a little bit of a question more about how we kind of are connected through art 
And I think that one thing that's important to note is I was an avid creative writer when I was working with Christy. Um, I don't do too much creative writing now. We'll talk a little bit more about some of the work that I've been doing. But um, when I was working with Christy, I was ambitious. I wanted to be a novelist. Um, and I would write pages and pages and pages and Christy would help me. And then finally I realized that it felt like a lot of work to write <laughs> really big, uh, long novels and things like that. And you know, as a young person, I was, I was like, well, if I want to do it, I'll do it. Um, and now I'm a little bit more um, conservative with my time and, and where I put my efforts, um, which has turned me into a poet. Um, and so I was speaking with Christy, oh, I would say quarter one at some point. I don't exactly remember. I'm a little bit fuzzy on, on days and times right now. But, um, and I had mentioned, you know, I put out a book last year of poems called Self-Published During a State Mandated Quarantine. And I thought it was kind of a cheeky title at the time, but um, <laughs> it, it turned out to be a little bit more serious and accurate. Um, I wrote it in April and I think it still rings true. Um, and that was, I think all of the poems I had written that I was proud of from 17 to 26. And this last fall, I got an urge to write again. Um, and when I write poems, it's an incredibly quick process for me. I don't um, sit with them very long and I usually write a lot at once and then I walk away. Um, and I wrote a book uh, for my partner actually called I Want You to Spit in My Mouth and Other Impregnation Fantasies. Um, <laughs> and I'm incredibly shy about this book, but I also know that it's very good. Um, and I was talking to Christy about being embarrassed about the title and thinking maybe I should change it or was I ready to um, publish erotic poems. I'm even getting nervous like talking about it right now. Um, if I'm like ready to publish erotic poems on my platform or if I want to be affiliated um, with a title like that or should I you know just keep it to myself and Christy just said spit is it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of oh Sydney says it's good y'all. Um, good I recommend it um <laughs> but I um and I'm like you know I'm self-publishing so I get to do fun stuff like featuring the long-awaited poem at the beginning when I don't you know I'm sure people were awaiting it but <laughs> it wasn't directly like feedbacks like we need this poem um but I I've really just kind of embraced it and I've started advertising it just a little bit um but having someone who knows me and knows my work just kind of be all in right away. Um, you know, Chrissy's super sexy and works with erotic writers, um, but not exclusively. And I think that it was just amazing to have like a cheerleader in my court who um, let me let me like grow into to being comfortable with publishing something like this. Um, and you know, it's not like I, I'm 27, I can write whatever I want, but um, it was still kind of like, am I gonna put this out there with my name on it? And yeah, I am. And you can pay and read it if you want to. Um, and no, I won't do a reading unless someone pays me privately to do one. Um, but I, I just wanted to kind of sing your praises on that. And I think you even were like, Dan Savage is all about spit now. So I was like very, I was just much more comfortable after we spoke. Um, but yeah, what's, what's your take on spit these days? I know it's like extra taboo, right? Yeah. I mean, well, I appreciate you talking about, you know, what, what, how, the the vulnerability of of putting that out there and using that title uh, and 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 the that sort of 
feeling of courage and, and vulnerability around expressing something um, sexual or personal. Um, and I, I actually want to hear more from you, Rami, about, <laughs> about, you know, why that is so weird, right? Why is that weird? Um, I, you know, I remember, um, I'm, I'm, I'm off-roading a little bit right now, but I'm thinking about that story that we were telling at the beginning about your mom um, uh, talking to me on Folsom Street, bumping into me on the street and saying, you know, oh, hire my daughter. Yeah. I, I don't think it was in the same conversation, but another one soon after where I said, you know, I'm the sexy grammarian. I, you know, sexy stuff crosses my desk in this office and your 15-year-old daughter is coming over. How, how do you want me to conduct myself? Basically, I don't remember what I asked her, but her bottom, but what she said to me, and I was so impressed was, you can tell Ramey and you can, you can teach Ramey anything you want about sex except shame. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I want to shout out my mom. This is unplanned. Right, Evelyn. Just Evelyn. Right. I want um, every mother of a fifth. Yes. My mom just gave me this book. It's called "Come as You Are." Um, I haven't read it yet, but she just read it, and she's like obsessed. And it's kind of about. Um, really understanding how your brain operates around sex. My mom is a psychologist, so this makes sense. But um, I haven't read it yet, but there's a lot of activities and, and there's some journaling stuff that you can do to kind of sort out where you're oriented, like neurologically around sex and how to like make the most of that for your sex life so that you can come as you are. Um, and she read it super fast and she's going to let me borrow it. And then two days later, this was on my doorstep from Amazon. So um, I, yes, my mom is uh, I think very sex positive. Um, and I, I think for me I, that there's just, um, you know, I read poems at the White House. So to, and I'm not trying to like put that down as a brag, but more just on a spectrum of expression, like to have been recognized for like situational poems or observational poems, um, and then go into this like very like aggressively sexual work, in my opinion, like aggressive for me. Um, and, and to just have it next to poems that I feel like are pretty passive. Um, it just felt like kind of I was putting a stake in the ground, but I also feel a lot less about it now that I, it's out there. I don't really, I'm kind of like, if you want it, you can have it and it's there. Um, and it, I don't, no one knocked on my door and said, why did you write this? Um, so <laughs> I think it's okay. Um, and I think also uh, for me, like I'm not ashamed about sex, but sex is incredibly private for me. And I don't like, I think I can make jokes about sex. I can talk about sex with other people, but my own like sexuality and sexual experiences are things that I've kept really like close to myself. And I, I don't feel like I put my, I'm not like a sexually forward person. Um, and that is something that I've tried to grow into and change. But I think that the only like thing that I guess I would be comfortable saying in a public setting is that like, I've just become a lot more comfortable with my sexuality and being like a more fluidly sexual person um, with like a range of genders and things like that. And I think that that's something that I really had to grow into because heteronormativity really like, even when you grow up in the queer friendly environments is something that's super drilled in just socially. Um, so I think that coming to terms with like, oh, I'm not only attracted to men, 
and it's not something that is an idea, but it's something that I like actually want to act on, um, was a big step for me as like an adult coming more into my own. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think Christy, you and I've talked about this, like boys are for cars, boys are for rides. Um, and <laughs> did, I teach, did I teach you that? <laughs> you were like, Wait, I missed that. What was that? Sorry, the dog um, was barking. Like boys, boys are for rides. Um, like to go, <laughs> to go, to get, like to get to, you know, you know, I need to get to school in the morning. I'm in a carpool with this guy or like, can we go out? Well, the, that guy has a car, so I'll go on a date with him type of Sorry, vibe. Sorry, I was thinking when... a different kind of ride there. So yeah, I no, 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 no. <laughs> More like, I mean, yeah, yeah sure, that too. Um, but I think that um, for me, I was like, well, you date, you date men, right? <laughs> that was kind of my world perception. And, um, and I think like maybe a year ago I was driving and I was like, uh, oh, <laughs> I'm gay. <laughs> um, but like... <laughs> Um, that was super awesome and I think that that's been like the best breakthrough that I've had around sex and sexuality and I think kind of recognizing my discomfort as a potential symptom of not acknowledging um like my full sexuality and so now that like I've been able to step into that a little bit more I do feel more comfortable with like talking about erotic things or like being more overtly sexual but I think that I'm like also quite okay with the way that I present and operate in the world and um, but it, I don't know, it doesn't feel like shame. It just feels like privacy sometimes. Um, and I think that's okay. But, um, yeah, I think that the shame that I've always felt is probably just like male gaze stuff, but it's never been like internal shame or anything like that. Um, yeah. And, and I think that like Christy, yeah, I mean, like I turned 18 and I wanted to go to strip clubs and I texted Christy and I was like, where do I go? Um, and she was like, oh, you have to go to the lusty lady. And I like went and checked it out and um, it's closed now. Closed. I'm yeah. so glad. I'm so glad I gave you that good advice. Yeah, it was so fun. It's such a cool spot. Um, for those of you who don't know, the lusty lady was this super iconic um, club in San Francisco. I've only been the one time. I think Christy's a little more familiar, but um, you go, it's kind of like panopticon. So the stage is in the middle and you go into your own like booth basically. And you can put a dollar, it's like pay to play. You put a dollar in or more and the shade raises and there's a performer on the other side of the shade. And I think you can kind of communicate what you might want and you can keep, yeah, you can keep paying to keep the shade up. But once your time has run out, the shade will close. Um, and so it's, it's kind of neat because you don't get that like, strip club like loud vibe and it's really performer like focused um and it's also I would say it's it was a pretty feminine or feminist space um and so it was just like a super iconic uh thing to go do when I was 18 and uh but yeah I think it's totally smart to keep the shade up and that's like how how you get your regulars right it's kind of like gambling to see what you want to see um but yeah I think that I don't know. I've had a lot of really positive influences around sex, especially from a young age. And I think Christy was a big part of that conversation. Um, I would love to also ask you about this piece that I found recently that I'm obsessed with. Um, let me pull it up. Yes. The, this is uh, called... The in-call piece. Yeah. So this is on in New York right now. And I don't know this woman, but I met, I reached out to her and told her that I thought that this was such incredible work. And she responded, so I'd like to 
speak oh, with her cool. more. Yeah, I'd love to speak with her more about hey. what she does. Um, she just said thank you and, and, and that she was happy that I recognized the piece. Um, but I, I wanna ask her when she's done doing the installation, kind of what her experiences were like and, and see if she's willing to do an interview. Um, That's but this piece is called, it's untitled, but it's in call. And it's an installation in a gallery space where you can meet with the artist under reservation um, for an in-call. And they've set up a bedroom space. What's an in-call? I don't know what that is. So, um, so in the, oh, go ahead. No, 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 please go in the, in the In the sex work industry, um, especially around um, escorting, there's basically in-call or out-call. So we're talking about whether the girl comes to you at, at your hotel or your home, um, or whether they have space that people come into. So in call is is uh, is is a space that mm -hmm. uh, that people can can um, access sex work in. Um, and and this woman, um, Sophia, she it it seems like she does do some digital sex work outside of her installation work as well. Um, but I think that this piece was really exploring the power dynamics between um, a patron and an escort and, and what that might kind of look like um, with that dynamic. And I, I just think it's very interesting that you can make an appointment. And, and I think that she is also engaging in, you know, true in-call sex work in this ex exhibition, which um, it's just fascinating to me to have it be performance art, but also be touching on these kind of dynamics around sex work that I think are always really fluid and changing. I mean, it's one of the oldest jobs. Um, and right now I think there's kind of a renaissance of, of, of people talking more about sex work and being more comfortable, especially with um, online sex work, but also with sharing about doing sex work in their online presence as well. Um, and I'm curious, like, if you've observed that change in like social media and what that change you think means for um, sex workers. Well, I agree that there's a renaissance right now. It is amazing to see how, um, how many sex workers are able to be out on the internet. Um, you know, sex work, uh, the, the outness is newer than sex work on the internet is. Mm -hmm. uh, 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 there's definitely a, a belief that um, that sort of porn and sex work are the first things that use a new technology, and that's often, oh, I love that. That's often true, um, uh, and so uh, you know, sex work and 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 porn have existed on the internet for a long time. But this moment that we're having right now, where there seems to be more accessibility and also more attempts at control and more voices uplifted, I think is super exciting. And I'm really enjoying watching uh, and, and, and supporting all of, the, uh, all of the sex workers on Instagram and Twitter. Um, uh, this piece, you know, one of the things I really thought about, and I think everyone thinks about is like, oh my God, the, the, the description is that there's like a reading room and mm -hmm. I, think, I think like a window and then a, 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 an in-call room, a room with a bed in it, where you, that you can make um, uh, the, uh, oh, bye, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. I didn't want to interrupt you. Thank you so much. Oh, no, no, no. See you soon, Sarah. Yeah, I'll see you soon. 
Have a great okay. evening. Bye. Good night. Um, um that so so that you could you know you I I in Matt in my imagination you can wander into this installation gallery and go into this um, reading room mm -hmm. um, and and experience the art in that space and the reading available in that space and if there's anything going on if she has a client right now um, then you can. Observe. observe something sexual going on um and immediately my brain as a small business owner and as a former sex worker went to like i wonder how much business she's getting in that room <laughs> um, and, and uh, you know are are people wa wandering into a gallery off the street and watching sex behind glass or are they seeing what a lot of sex work is which is a woman in a sexy waiting. outfit, waiting. Waiting, yeah, yeah. Like, that is a lot of sex work. I also, she had, um, I saw some people visit her and book her time, not for sex, but just to spend right. time with her in the yep. space um, yep. and just to sit in the room and, and chat and support her for the work that she's doing. That's so right. I, I just, I found it so, interesting to have these worlds clash in such a way. And I, I think that it's, you know, on one level, it's a little bit, you know, provocative, like Alexa says, or um, very like in your face, but in, in another way, there's a lot of nuance and subtlety here that if you stay for a minute and you, and you start to observe, you can kind of really, I think, get a different idea around what sex work is. And there's also this idea that it was, it's an installation in a gallery, right? But if, but if it's not in the gallery, what is it? It's it's sex work or it's not legal or there's this other taboo and it's not art anymore, right? And so I think that there's just like, why why when it's at that address, it's one thing, but when it's somewhere else, it's something else. Um, and I just, I really liked the negotiations that were going on with this work. I like that too. She has this term, the um, circular flow of capital and this idea that it's the same customer that so mm -hmm. basically, as an artist, she is supporting herself with sex work until she makes it big enough for the same people who are paying for her as a sex worker to pay for her art. Yes. And that, and and that, and the idea that it's the same client, but that she, there's some kind of hoop that has to be jumped through before the client will pay for her to be an artist instead of paying for her to be a whore is super interesting to me as well. Um, and then what, and, and then it's what happens when being a whore is the art and that, and like, where does that client meet her? Um, and, and, and I'm curious what clients actually went to the gallery. Yes, like me too. What percentage of, of work clients were at the gallery and what percent were patrons or curious people or people who feel safe engaging with sex work in this space, but not in other spaces too. Um, yes. It's, yeah, and I, also I think there's something about this, this idea of, of worth based on what hat you're wearing as opposed to just worth. Totally. Um, and then but, the yeah. legality piece as well. And I remember this in a, some kind of a, a documentary, I think it was a fairly, 
well, like a, a, a big documentary, because I think the I think the person who was talking might have been Ron Jeremy or some other oh, wow. very famous pornographer um, about how if you pay someone to to give a blowjob, um, that that's illegal. But if you pay someone but to spend camera, time with you, yeah. But if yeah. you put a camera on someone giving a blowjob and everyone's being paid, it's the camera makes it legal because yeah. now you're making porn <laughs> or art or entertainment <laughs> and and that makes it legal so as long as it's recorded <laughs> the opposite right it's <laughs> the act um, is legal yeah well also you and this is not my idea this is ron jeremy i mean no, or, or, it, or whoever it, it was but, but this, I think yeah. I've heard this. I think I've heard this docu seen this documentary yeah. as well. Um, yeah, it was big. It was, big. It, was uh, it was like about pimps or something. I can't remember. Uh, it was super. Oh it was well. God. It was. It was. It was big. It was a fairly big documentary about sex work and 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 pimps. I think. Um, but there's yeah, also the the, the like escorting camera it makes it legal. There's also that like escorting gray area, right, where you can pay someone to spend time with you. But not necessarily for the acts that are performed during that time, but you can pay for their time. Like if there's, I mean, the there's line some is literally yeah. touching genitals. <laughs> That's the That's line. That's how thin the line is. It's below. That's yeah. the line. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Well, because you can go to like a very wholesome um, country fair, county fair, and and pay someone at a kissing booth yep right and that or and you can pay to take awesome. photos take photos with a model who's scantily clad have her touch you or kiss you in the photo that's usually an extra dollar or something like that but as soon as we get to um you know genitals or below the belt that's where you know that's the gray line and and i kind of get that in some level socially but not necessarily with legality um you know, I, I'm more comfortable with someone touching my shoulder than my genitals, but don't want them, to, I would like to pay for whatever I want to pay for also. Um, so. Sophia Giovanniti is yes. definitely playing with these ideas and I am happy that she is. Me too. If I had been in New York during this uh, installation window, which is a pretty long one, she's got a, a six week uh, residency, I would have definitely booked um, some of her time because I just wanted to want to talk to her. Um, but I'll see, I want to see if maybe she'll come on the next Art and Wine or if I can interview her um, for my blog or something because I, I'm really curious. Um, yeah, so Christy, um, before we wrap this up, if someone was working on a writing project and they wanted some guidance, how, how would they uh, find you or what would you recommend for them? sexygrammar.com and every first session is always free. I love meeting new writers. I love to sit down with a writer and hear about what's going on. And even if you don't identify yet as a writer, I think you're a writer if you have something you wanna write. And so uh, uh, anyone who's interested in working with me or, or who just has a writing project and has questions um, can sign up for a free session um, with me at my website, sexygrammar.com, and um, and we begin there. 
And basically I spend that hour really um, offering a, a free hour of, of what I do so that you get a sense of how I work. And my basic approach is to listen to what's going on with your project and identify where it hurts and then um, start working on reducing the suffering right there uh, <laughs> in whatever way that we can so that the, so that the project can get done. Thanks. So, yeah, come on in for a free session. I also would like to just take one small moment to plug um, the sponsor of our newsletter this week who uh, made it possible for me to do this event. Um, it's a streetwear brand called Star Magdalene. I thought that they were particularly fun for what we were talking about today. They do- I Check their website out. Yeah, they do um, silly silly puns on uh, some biblical sayings, all, all focused on Mary Magdalene. And uh, I have the Mary Loves You t-shirt, but then it's asterisk and uh, on the back of it, it says Magdalene. Um, so it's a fun little brand if, if you're into Catholic, uh, Catholic sexiness, which I think I am. Um, and then the other thing that I uh, thought that I wanted to mention is that I'm uh, gonna be running my program this summer called Solstice Synergy Creative Circle. It's a community for women in the arts. Um, writing is an art. So if we've got any sexy grammar fans on here who want to work in a cohort with other women, we, we have a writer who's been uh, writing three books in our last cohort, Chantal, who was on here earlier. Um, and she's gonna be doing NaNoWriMo this year with um, by finishing all of her novels that she's been working on this year during the month of November. So I'm super excited about that, but I'm opening the program up again for summer solstice. It's a lifelong membership. Um, and every solstice we open it to new members and we do an eight week workshop intensive and um, pre-enrollment is happening right now through the end of the month. So if you enroll before May 31st, um, it's actually $333 off the price that um, the standard price for the class and you get a free coaching session with me too. So just thought I'd put it out there. I'm awesome. um, really, really That's excited nice. about this program. Yeah, I, I had a blast last time. I do lots of guest speakers. We do art theory. And this time around, I'm actually doing a Saturday wellness session because I know that working on your art can be super draining and it's easy to be like, I'm doing this project. I can't focus on my wellness. So we're all gonna be doing wellness together as well um, to kind of make sure that we can form a really solid cohort this time around. Um, but we'll be, you'll all hear more about that in the next couple of weeks. It's gonna be all I'm talking about. Um, but I just wanted to thank Wind Down um, for being our fearless champions this week. Cheers. Um, they've been super friendly on social media, reposting stuff and liking things. Um, and then I just wanted to say thank you to Sydney and Alexis for hanging out with us the whole time and for everyone else that got to come through. This was great. Thanks for having me. And thanks, thanks for, for coming. So nice to see Christy and to, to nice meet to some people you. and learn some art, art gems tonight too. Yeah. Um, I will go through, I'm going to save the chat and I'll go through the recording and make sure that anything we talked about gets put in uh, the replay notes and I'll send out the replay to everyone who uh, came through tonight and it'll also be available for purchase on my website. Um, and I also learned that Olivia Rodrigo is the new Ariana Grande from Z. So that's, that's oh. great. <laughs> uh, that popped up. <laughs> I have um, been listening to her all day. I like that song, Good For You. 
Um, um, but I do feel a little old that this 18 year old is rocking everyone's world. Yeah. Um, but isn't that the way I realize every year there's going to be a new 18 year old rocking everyone's world. Would you be willing <laughs> to share, um, your, the calendar? I was just looking at that and talk a little bit about what's coming up on your next. Oh, on my uh, social, um, on my next event. Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, so next week on Friday, I'm teaching, um, a class called art plus magic on the Bruja report. It's by donation. Um, last time I talked about Hilma Clint, but this time I'm going to be talking, it's called Ritual Matters this time. So I'm going to be talking about rites of passage um, and how they relate to the arts. So that's mm. going to be next Friday at one. Um, but if you are curious about Solstice Synergy, you can go to this landing page on my website that I designed and um, everything that you need to know about the class is here. Um, and we do have a program calendar that has everything that we're going to be doing um, throughout the summer all on here. Um, and so if anyone's curious, they can go check it out. Um, I'm also offering work study for up to three interns and I have payment plans available if um, it's a little cost prohibitive all at once. Um, and if you're still deciding, you're not sure, you can always just watch the first lesson by entering your email um, in here and you'll get sent the first lesson from our last session so you can actually try out the lecture series and see if it works for you. Um, and that's me. Yeah, I love it. Thank you. Your website looks great. Oh, thanks. Um, my designer is really skilled. Her name is Rainy. <laughs> and um, she's on top of it. But she really is. Uh, Sarah also is really, she's not here now, so I'll talk her up, but she's been instrumental in everything that I've done. Um, and I definitely take, uh, I, I, I think back to when Christy and I were working together and I try to be um, as supportive and helpful as a boss that I can be to Sarah. Um, and I really try to make sure that the things that she's doing are learning opportunities for her to take mm -hmm. forward because I learned a lot working with you. Um, and I want to be able to do that for my employees as well. That's awesome. So, yeah. Christy, this was a dream and such a treat. Um, oh, so cool. So, so cool. Um, Alexis, thanks for coming. Super I know, cool Alexis, you. you just made it like you are the cherry on top of this lovely. Yeah. No. Yes. You are. Yeah. You are. I love that you showed up for this. And I'm love always the teacher. So I'm always like, how can we make this more interactive? And like, is everybody no, getting thank to you. <laughs> sometimes I have, <laughs> I have two monitors. So sometimes I get a little, a little flabbergasted between the two um but i, I remember i had my second one and i could i could do the, the show and tell yeah you did great lady you're still Thank recording you. do you still want to be recording us uh i can edit this but i'll stop the